0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, case 32 of the Book of Serenity. Um, Yangshan asked a monk, "Where are you from?" The monk said, from you province. Yangshan said, Do you think of that place? The monk said, I always think of it. Yangshan said, The thinker is the mind and the thought of is the environment. There are therein are mountains, rivers, and the landmass, buildings, towers, halls, and chambers, people, animals, and so forth. Reverse your thought to think of the thinking mind. Are there so many things there? The monk said, When I get here, I don't see any existence at all. Yangshan said, That is right for the stage of faith, but not yet right for the stage of person. The monk said, Don't you have any other particular way of guidance? (laughs) Yangshan said, To say that I have anything particular or not would not be accurate. Based on your insight, you only get one mystery. (laughs) You can take the seat and wear the robe. After this, see on your own. So I especially want to focus on this last part, so I'll just repeat. Uh The monk said, don't you have any other particular way of guidance? Yangshan said, to say that I have anything particular or not would not be accurate. Based on your insight, you only get one mystery. You can take the seat and wear the robe. After this, see on your own so in thinking about this maybe what to say today um, what came up for me was to talk about zazen Um, and uh, this is the zen school so you know zen um The word Zen in Japanese is a transliteration of the word chan from Chinese, which is itself a a transliteration of the word jhana in in, uh, Sanskrit. And jhana means um, concentrated mind states, um, but it also can be a synonym for meditation. So this word specifically meaning meditation Um, through three different languages was passed down to zen buddhism as the name of this school so we could call it zen or we could just call it meditation school Um, and it actually came as a surprise to me to learn that there are um, you know a number of forms of buddhism that don't specifically emphasize meditation i always assumed they were synonymous but So what does it mean that this practice that kind of brings us all together um, is pointing at meditation? uh, So the the word for meditation in Zen is Zazen, so sitting Zen, Za just means sitting. Sometimes even in a talk, or when you're listening to a talk, to, um, you know, to return to your own body, um, to open your senses, um, and to maybe even de-emphasize the words that I'm saying. Zen is so completely into meditation that we recommend, even when you're listening to a talk, to be in meditation. Um, It actually changes the dynamic of a talk. This isn't a talk like a normal talk. So if we're all sitting here in Zazen posture, uh, we're doing something else. So Suzuki Roshi, and Not Always So, has a um, a lecture that's titled Find Out for Yourself. Find Out for Yourself. Um, In it he says, Whatever happens, whether you think it is good or bad, study closely and see what you can find out. This is the fundamental attitude. Sometimes you will do things without much reason, like a child who draws a picture, draws pictures whether they are good or bad. If that is difficult for you, you are not actually ready to practice sōsan. So again he says study closely and see what you can find out. This is the fundamental attitude. So I think it's the process of um, inhabiting that attitude or invoking that attitude um, of studying closely that we develop in uh, the practice of Zazen. Um, So often when... um, Beihei Dogen, who's the founder of this school of of Zen, when he talks about Zazen, he kind of means this attitude, this study closely. Um, And it it doesn't matter if we're in meditation posture or not. Um, But I think we develop that capacity um, through practicing Zazen. And then a lot of our practice is getting up off the cushion and seeing how we can um, carry that mind or that attitude into our life and into the world. So more and more, the... I feel the importance of this, or the title of this talk, Find Out For Yourself. So, um, the Buddha said something like, Be a light unto yourself. I think many of his instructions were, you know, here's what I see, or here's what kind of... um, the reality that I'm pointing to you, but please verify it for yourself. Please find out. Um, And there are many aspects of Zen practice that I find kind of quietly revolutionary. Um, And this is one of them. This is a kind of... uh, I think we live in a world where people are constantly trying to convince us that we need them, that we need their opinion of us. or um, And often, you know, in a consumer culture, it's it's outright manipulative. It's like, you need me to tell you that you need this product. You know? There's a lot of that that's kind of... Um, we're seeped in. So the quiet revolution is... Um, Sit down, be upright, and study your own experience. Um, And it's not to say that we're not, we won't be kind of misled by ourselves at times, too. um, That we need good friends in practice, that we need teachers in practice. But I think what we're aiming at is this... um, Ever deepening trust in our own experience um, having that kind of rise above all these voices of uh, what we should do or be um, so that's liberation you know, in a very literal sense of the term Again, Zen is saying the the sort of key to that liberation is to um, to sit zaza. So to sit in a kind of independence of body and mind. So there's an independence in the sense of I'm not leaning on something or laying on the couch. There's an independence of my uprightness. There's a, you know, a a pretty common, um, I think, story or phrase that ends in, like, um, you can teach a person to, you can give a person a fish or you can teach them to fish. Um, For some reason that came to mind with Zaza and what, you know, maybe what we have to offer here or what I I have to offer um, in this moment. It's, you know, it's not a lot, but it's to encourage you to... Um, turn back on that support from within. That's another title of Suki Roshi Talk. Um, So I encourage you to investigate and um, kind of be here for your own experience over and over and over until you start to trust what you find out um, in that process. So maybe a couple a couple pointers maybe on how to do that, that that I feel like Zen practice has pointed me towards but the first one is like um, I am not the center of the universe so I think <laughs> um, I think um it's really hard to discover that. It sounds kind of simple, but um, the reality of that is pretty bottomless. Um, and at the same time, to own the fact that my experience most of the time is that I'm the center of the universe. You know, I can only receive sight right here, you know, through these eyes or um, sounds resonate for me right here. Um, so I kind of have to own or accept that perspective or that limitation at the same time as realizing that that's not the whole story. Um, so it's a bit of a balancing act, but I think there's lots of kind um, of non-verbal emphasis or training in Zen to to realize this fact. Uh, One that came back to me last weekend that I... um, So when we walk into this space, quite clearly the focal point of the space is this altar, you know, it's kind of raised above there's this really big Buddha on this particular um, altar, and it's lit up with candles, and we're offering incense to this space, to that area. So um, in a very basic way, I think all of that, you know, I think we can uh, early in practice maybe get um, caught up in kind of practice of reverence or something and kind of worry like who am I bowing to and um, maybe that's a whole other talk but I think what the very simple lesson is is when I walk in this room I'm not the center of the room (laughs) there's something that I'm clearly like treating in a way that is more uh, central, more kind of, and it's outside of me Um, at at the San Francisco Zen Center city center in the city, they have a, a, a separate meditation hall or zendo and Buddha hall, or um, uh, chanting hall, Dharma hall. Um, and in the Buddha hall there's um, tatami mats, and you come in um, and you face the other people, there's sort of two ro- like two lines of rows facing each other, and then the, the, the altar is at one end of that. Um, and there's bowing and chanting, and um, I think if you're kind of young and um, flexible, there's some expectation that you'll just sort of sit in Seiza on the tatami mat, which can be pretty uncomfortable. Um, But uh, there's lots of kind of um, encouragement for those of us that don't feel that young or spry to go ahead and take a Zafu into the Buddha Hall with you for service. And then when you sit on... When After the bows, everybody sits down in Seiza. You can put it underneath you and kind of sit a little bit raised, a little bit more comfortably. But while you're not using the cushion, you have to find a place to put it. And everybody's sort of lined up really closely on the tatami mats. And um, uh, like everything in Zen, there is a kind of... Um, an intricacy and a kind of preciseness with which everything goes and so you know kind of intuitively oh, there must be a precise place that I'm supposed to put this cushion while I'm not using it. Um, and pretty early on um, I learned that that was to the side that's not facing the altar so if there's two rows and we're facing each other and the altar is to one side then to place the cushion to the side away from the altar it's a sign of respect to the altar um, and like many forms you know there's a kind of established rule or norm but not everybody gets the memo you know so um, and it's a it's a kind of um, ongoing challenge in our practice with um, when we kind of get the memo like when we know like oh okay this is the way I'm supposed to do it and then how to practice with well, how to practice with not knowing? Like, I don't know what I'm doing here, you know, and it feels awkward and I'm trying to follow along. There's lots of teachings in that, but then there's a teaching of like, well, now I know the rule and I can see everybody that's not doing it right, you know? (laughs) So then there's this practice with like, okay, well, what do I do with that information? How do I, um, and there's a, you know, there's a, a wide range of responses. Sometimes right after we learn the rule, is when we're most harsh on people that don't know the rule. So it's like, well, I just learned this, so like you should know this too. <laughs> um, and maybe the longer we're, you know, um, in practice, the more fascinating it becomes just to see it all play out, like the people who know how the rule, the people that don't, you know. My own response to that, it's all kind of, it's less kind of emotional or something, like everybody should do it right, you know, that kind of feeling kind of dissipates and it's like, oh, this is fascinating. This is like a play that we're all kind of making up as we go. Um, So for me, a particular form that invoked this feeling of dismay, I think, or judgment um, was that in the Buddha Hall at City Center, people, most people started to put the cushion to their right side, their dominant hand. So like, if they were facing one side, that was away from the altar, but on the other side, it was the side facing the altar. Um, and it, it irked me because I think it, like, <laughs> um, because it was sort of thumbing its nose at the whole point of having this rule, you know? Like, the whole rule is to say, I'm in this room where the centerpiece of the room is this, this object, and it's not me. And so I'm going I'm to place things in reference to this object. But, you know, we don't know that. And so we go back to, we revert to, oh, it's, it must be a right-sided thing. It must be in relation to me because I'm the center of the universe. So <laughs> it goes on this side of me, you know. Um, <clears throat> So a form that was particularly set up to help us understand this sort of self-centered concern ends up just sort of exhibiting it in, in my mind. I mean, this was what was kind of um, the fascination of the play of my own you know, judgment and um, need for things to be a certain way. You know, it's lovely when those moments break and it's like, well, does it really matter, you know. Um, or even like, oh, like uh, that poor part of me that's so kind of needs something to be a certain way for me to feel okay, you know. Can I have compassion for that aspect of my own being? So, I guess that's one way that a kind of body practice of Zen can help us kind of learn so much about who we are and what it is to be in this world. Um, and that is this very careful study of um, our own experience. Um, so, again, Suzuki Roshi called it. Um, Whatever happens, whether you think it is good or bad, study closely and see what you can find out. This is the fundamental attitude. So again, zazen and the instruction around zazen and our own kind of self-instruction, so I don't know if other people do this, but often I still sit down and say, okay, is my you know, spine upright? Are my ears lined up over my shoulders? You know, like like sort of checking things off like as I um, kind of return to some sense of my body that maybe I'm not always carrying around. Um, <clears throat> but that careful um, attention that we're learning in Zazen is what we kind of then bring out to... maybe just the chanting in the chanting hall or where we put the cushion but it's you know more and more it kind of bleeds into the rest of our life Um, so I think when we come here and when we come to sit Zazen it's really worth our time to be um, careful and attentive in setting up this you know our posture like what we're doing in Zazen Um, So setting up a structure in which we are um, most uh, attuned to or present to what's happening in our body and our experience so that we can learn from it, that we can digest it. So there's um, these Japanese monks that came a few weeks ago and they left some flyers. This one's on the practice of Zen. It's it's just the basics. It's like, what does cross-legged sitting look like? You know, what do you do in kin You know, where do you step? I think that I don't often notice people, you know, in many American Zendos, like remembering to do. So there's a kind of, um, there's there's a posture to sitting, there's a mudra, but also in each period of Zazen, there's a kind of a few simple body practices that are kind of incorporated into the instructions around Zazen. So one of them is to like take a posture that feels upright, and then it's this swaying. So if you watch videos of Haji you know all the monks are doing this before they, you know, begin the period, um, and it's swaying kind of, and it's sort of slowly becoming less and less until you're finding a kind of felt sense of okay, there's the center, you know. So it's a very simple um, physical practice to kind of help us come back to our, our being and our body. Um, but another one is this. Um, <laughs> I'd never heard the term, it's, it's called kan-ki, kanki isoku, which is exhale completely and take a breath. Um, and we can do it pretty quietly, but at some point in my practice it was helpful. A teacher said, before each period, take a, like, you know, like really freshen the air in your lungs. And it has a real effect on your body and your mind. Um, So, maybe just let's do this together a couple times. Um, So, breathing in and then really let it go. Yeah, breathing in. And one last time. And then the careful study of our experience is then, "Hmm, how does it feel? Like, What does my mind feel like? What does my body feel like, having taken some new level of oxygen into it? It's the result of that. And and again, it's not like a a verbal thing, but just like, "Hmm, well, how does that feel? So noting these changes in our physical and mental being is part of the study, I think. but I thought I would just read, because this was written by, I think, Japanese practitioners, and I was admiring the the poetry of this. So in, in explaining this breath practice, the person wrote, when your zazen posture is settled, quietly breathe in and out deeply several times. Then breathe quietly and slowly through your nose. This means sort of return to the kind of regular breathing of zazen. So it says, then breathe quietly and slowly through, through the nose, entrusting yourself to the natural movement of the breath. I was like, wow, that's very... Um, kind of precise description. So in Zazen, the instruction is to breathe normally. But in kind of breathing normally, what we're kind of enacting or we're saying is, I trust my normal breath is enough, is okay. Um, Breathe quietly and slowly through the nose, entrusting yourself to the natural movement of the breath. of you that don't know, I'm I'm new here. Um, i just recently moved here. um, And I'm very happy to be here. Um, And so I think, you know, maybe more of the specifics about how we tune into this breath and body and mind, you know, we can continue to explore uh, as time goes on. So, please feel free to ask me questions about um, any of this. But, um, I think the, the main thing that I wanted to emphasize today is this find out for yourself. So all of these practices and this practice itself is set up, I believe, to, um, to throw us back on our own experience, to um, allow us to develop this trust in um, whatever my, whatever's happening right now is okay. It's okay for practice. It's okay to study. It's okay to be with. Um, that I'm not supposed to be having some other experience right now. That sounds simple, but it's so hard, you know. <laughs> that um, so much of our own mind predilection is to kind of be thinking, "Well, I'm supposed to be. I should have been this, or I'm supposed to be doing that, or." And then we're getting all these messages in our world saying, mm, you could be more of this, or you could be more of that. So again, this quiet revolution, which is a revolution to just say, whatever's happening, okay, in, in, in my experience, is okay to look at. It's okay to be with. It's okay to... Um, it's all I have. It's all I have to um, guide me in some way. So with that in mind, I just want to read this um, story one last time. So this is, again, case 32 of the Book of Serenity. Yangshan asked a monk, where are you from? The monk said, from Yu Province. Yangshan said, do you think of that place? So in a way, this is a question of, like, where's your mind? Like, what are you thinking about? And this is another aspect of Zazam that we kind of have to be attentive to. The monk said, I always think of it. Interesting, I'm not sure that was the right answer, but... (laughs) um, The teacher says, the thinker is the mind, and the thought of is the environment. Therein, within this duality of thinker and thought, There are mountains, rivers, and the landmass, buildings, towers, halls, and chambers, people, animals, and so forth. Reverse your thought to think of the thinking mind. Are there so many things there? The monk said, when I get there, I don't see any existence at all. Yangshan said, this is right for the stage of faith but not yet right for the stage of person. The monk said, don't you have any other particular way of guidance? Yangshan said, to say I have anything particular or not would not be accurate. Based on your insight, you only get one mystery. You can take the seat and wear the robe after this, see on your own. So, um, maybe in part because I'm new, I'm wondering if there are any questions either about something I said or about anything else. Yeah? i a question. <coughs> I was expecting you to Doshi today. Mm. Mm. And I was actually going to talk about that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> um, yeah. So I there's a distinction that I uh, um, that I don't always understand either. That I'm kind of working out. But the distinction is that I am a lay practitioner. So there is um, there are uh, Zen priests and Zen lay practitioners. And the nice thing about Zen is there's mostly equality. There isn't a huge hierarchy between priests and lay. Um, the fact that I'm, um, I was given the opportunity to be Shuso at San Francisco Zen Center means that there kind of there's a path for lay people and there's a path for, and they're not kind of limited, um, which was very nice for me to see. Um, and I. Um, I think it's an open question even in this country because lay practitioners in Japan, before Zen came here, weren't so involved in Zazen, for one. So Zazen itself was a practice of monks and monastics and priests. Um, lay practitioners just come to services or you know have funerals. Or, um, so what we're doing here in America in this time is Kind of new, we're kind of figuring it out. Um, but one of the distinctions that has been made is that uh, the, the role of the priest is the sort of upholder of the forms, upholder of the ceremonies, and um, service is a ceremony. Um, and so uh, it's one of the distinctions that's made, at least at San Francisco Zen Center, that. Um, priests are doshi for service and lay are not. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're still working it out here because in a way, Mako and I are trying to like, like so much in Zen, you're not like, there's not a manual that said like, this is okay and this is what you do. You learn these things by watching other people and how it's already being done. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mako and I are kind of figuring it out because Mako, as a priest who very early in her practice ordained, you know, she... Um, I, I think she started to sell a Raksu, but she was one of the only people that I know that went straight from no kind of ordination to priest ordination. Usually people do a lay ordination and then a priest. So she, her whole experience is as a priest, so she doesn't really always know the answer either. Um, and my experience is only as a lay. I mean, I see a lot of practice with lots of priests. but um, So there are many other forms, like when I give a Dharma talk, I still... I still bow on the, the mat, and some other teachers do this differently, but um, but that's just because that's what I saw other lay teachers doing in the environment where I was taught. Um, it, like opening the zendo, what's called opening the zendo, meaning you, like, you come in with somebody who's carrying incense, and you offer the incense, and that's sort of times the three bells that begin a period of zazen. That's something that I was doing, or encouraged to do as you sow, so that I think I still do here, you know, so anyway, we're still kind of figuring it out, but in terms of chanting service, it's just not part of my path, um, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that, you know, um, if, uh, yeah, there's a whole other question about my own experience with whether I would, you know, want to ordain as a priest or not, and been practicing for almost 20 years and that's kind of been a consistent question so Mm -hmm. and i do know practitioners in san francisco who practiced for 20 20 years monastically and then ordained as a priest so Mm -hmm. um i think the the main takeaway is that there's many paths through zen practice and that's something i really appreciate Mm and every once in a while, it's important to highlight what the distinctions are in the current path that you're on. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. <coughs> Any other question? Yeah, um, I think it's interesting that you did make that observation that when the majority of us sit down, we, we just sit down. Uh huh. And another teacher from uh, San Francisco said the same thing. Like y'all uh-huh. just. Sit down. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even, like, work into it. So he demonstrated, you know, it's like you're doing this yogic stuff going on. So I think that's good to practice that. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, You know, one of the forms that... I don't know, you know, in the role of of teacher, I don't know that I should confess these things, but one of the forms that still... (laughs) that still hurts me sometimes is that in Fukan Zazengi, Dogen gives his Zazen instruction it says something about like when you, when you finish Zazen, like arise like slowly and quietly or something like that um, and to me actually, I think in Neheji this same kind of thing that you do going into Zazen you know, it gets slower and slower and more kind of you do it kind of coming out of Zazen too, so like you start really slowly and then you kind of increase when you're coming out of Zazen um, and so, yeah, it's one of the things that gets under my, like when I, when, I, when I kind of finish bowing and I turn around and everybody's already standing there like this, and I'm thinking like everybody just sort of popped up, you know, um, whereas I think the kind of like, you know, taking your body slowly into zazen and taking it slowly out of zazen, is just kind of, it's more careful, it's more kind of, um, I don't know, Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> or they're asleep. I, I, don't know if anybody was here, but there was a, a um, person sitting the other day who whose foot fell asleep, and they felt like they were going to be in the way for for Kinhin. And so they just hopped on one foot. Like, <laughs> like, very quickly, it was kind of impressive. But, you know, I felt in that moment, like, God, does this f- person feel like we're pressuring them to, like, get out so we can do, za- you know, kinhan or something? Like, again, that's not the spirit that I, you know, want to have in the zendo. And that's why I think moving sw- slowly into and out of zazen is also that kind of, like, that care and attentiveness and compassion for our body or whatever, you know, like, and I know there are other forms of Zen, like Rinzai Zen, where it's like the bell rings and you're supposed to like leap up and race to go meet the teacher, you know, for Sanzen. Like there's um, there's other schools of thought, but my, my personal feeling is like, take it easy, you know, <laughs> take your time getting up. Um, and then of course there's like, you know, all practices the middle way. There's like, because then the, the further extension of that that falls off to one side is like, you know, taking all this time and stretching and like assuming everybody's sort of, you know, going to just wait for you to be okay and ready. And you're <laughs> ready you know. So, you, you know, there's no, there's, it's very hard to find the right way or to be on time. That's another thing I, I'm thinking of is like timing. You know, when do you arrive at standing after Zazen? Like, what's the appropriate time? And, and it's a moving target, you know. It's kind of based on what room you're in or what the other people are doing, so. Um, yeah. I like the breath, too, the deep breath. Yeah. And that's something that, certainly I wouldn't feel necessarily that comfortable doing yeah. if it were just me. Yeah. Know. But I, it actually does sort of, give you a little yeah. bit of a kick before you, you go into meditation yeah um, so maybe that's something we could even I would encourage or... no I would encourage you anybody here to do it during Zaza and to not feel bashful about it and you yeah. know there's a way you can kind of take a deep breath without it being so loud right. but you know even play with that you know. <laughs> I appreciate your patience. That was actually one of the first things I noticed when I was meeting you was when you would bow, you would, at the end of the bow, Uh I was like, oh, he kind of stays there for a minute. Uh And I was like, wow, Uh I wonder, hey, I'm not, hey, I'm hurrying this too much. So it's interesting that you're mentioning this because I noticed that the first time. Yeah. And And I actually liked that. I thought, oh, Yeah. Dominic. Yeah, yeah. Take your time, definitely. I mean, I, um, there's another Suzuki Roshi lecture, and not always so called. Walk like an elephant, and the whole point of that is sort of like, you know, like this kind of like <laughs> be here, and you know, why am I? What am I thinking is going to happen when I, you know, speed over there and like I get there, and then what happens? You know, <laughs> I missed my whole life in between then. You know? <laughs> um, and just like the question of um, timing, you know, there's always two sides of this mm-hmm. that we can fault on. So I like to stress, slow down, but it's also kind of naturally in my nature yeah. to be like that. And I can fault on the side of like, wow, you know, talking <laughs> really slow. And I, I got into this thing and when I lived at Tassahara, I was really trying to like be slow and slow down and I got back to practicing with my first teacher in Chapel Hill and she was sort of like, can you speed it up? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, something going on with you where everything is so slow. Like. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, there's always two sides that we can fall on. But yeah, it's nice to notice when, oh, okay, yeah, there's something encouraging me to like, Take it easy. Like, you think that's a part of the practice. Yeah. Well, I get praised at, in my work, you know, my work that I do for money, mm-hmm. for, you
1: know, right. Fast. Right. So, of course, that's right. going
0: to be a part of the mindset. Absolutely. And that's why this is the, the, the quiet revolution. It's like, this is the antidote. This is the balance to that. It's okay that we have to be yeah, quick yeah, in our work, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then come here and spend some time, like, kind of finding some other way of being. I think the big problem for most of us is that we, f- we get kind of um, encouraged into one way of being and then we get stuck there. It's right. like, oh, I, everything I do has to be fast. It's like, well, no, you can be fast at work and then slow in the zendo, you know, and developing that flexibility is definitely, I think, part of what we're doing here. Hmm. Okay, well, thank you all for your attention. <laughs>